Our theme for this year again is the God of the impossible. Say with me, the God of the impossible. Come on, say with me. Say, the God of the impossible is doing the impossible for me today. Look to your neighbor and say, the God of the impossible is doing the impossible for you today. Boy, that just sounds good to say. It makes you want to smile, doesn't it? Well, you say, what's the impossible? Well, a miracle is impossible. Everything God did and everything God was doing when he moved, it was impossible. There's nothing, there's no story that you can find that was written down in the Bible that was like, oh yeah, that was probable. No, water to wine, that's impossible. Raising the dead, that's impossible. Virgin birth, that's impossible. Shutting the mouth of lions, that's impossible. Everything's impossible. So when you get to the realm of impossible, you are just starting in the realm of God. And he says, welcome to the party. I can handle this. Amen. And that's why the Bible, I mean, God told his people, the battle's not yours, it's mine. Whew. Say, the battle is not mine, it's God's. That'll make you feel good today. Some of us have been fighting a battle that belonged to him. Psalms 111 verse 4 It was our key theme that we're going to carry on. It says, he causes us to remember his wonderful works. I believe with all my heart this year God's going to do something so amazing. It will not be forgotten. Praise God for the little things we need to be grateful thing, grateful for that God does. But we'll forget them in a few days. I, we're believing that God is going to do in your life, if you will believe all things are possible to him who believes, if you believe that God this year is going to do something so amazing that if the Lord tarries years to come, you will still remember it. You'll still be talking about it. Your family will still talk, be talking about it. The people that don't like you will still be talking about it. Come on. So I don't like them, but you know, I can't, I don't know what to say. They just keep getting blessed. They just keep going up. They just keep getting healed. They just keep, whatever it is, say the God of the impossible is doing the impossible for me today. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. He has shown us his great power to his people by giving them the lands of other nations. God is a God. He will put into your hands what he wants you to have that belongs to you. Amen. And when the enemy thinks he's holding it from you, he's just holding it for you. And uh, if, if the story's not over, say the story's not over. Let's go right into it. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence, to be in your word. We've come with no agenda but to experience you. We set aside even the past services and experiences, and we lay them aside because today is a new day. This is the day you have made. We, re we will rejoice, and we are rejoicing, and we're glad in it because we know within the design of your planning that there is never a redundancy or a boredom, that you have a special event, a special encounter, a special word, a special touch for each and every one of us. So I thank you, Father God. We lay aside even past services, good, bad, or indifferent, and we come expecting some something fresh from heaven today, not by man, but by you. Open our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears. Help us to hear what you want us to hear, see what you want us to receive, see and receive what you want us to receive. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. Holy Spirit, we yield and surrender to you. And by the authority in the name of Jesus, I step into the gift and calling you've called me to be in, Father God, and I anoint this place with the blood of Jesus. And we sanctify this moment. This is holy ground today, right now, in the mighty name. I thank you as a result. We will Will experience you. I thank you for bodies that will be saved, touched, healed, delivered today. I thank you for healing that's coming into people's body right now, even as I speak today. I thank you for minds that will be open and alert and restored today. I thank you, Father, that depression and oppression cannot hold on to them today. I curse them by anxiety, and I thank you, Father, for the peace of God that exceeds our understanding that will fill and flood this place today. We thank you for your goodness. We give you praise in all the honor and all the glory and everyone said if you believe they receive that come on give the lord a hand clap of praise second corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 we've read this many times i want to read it again but thanks be to god thanks be to god who always leads us in triumph in christ and through us spreads and makes evident everywhere the sweet fragrance of the knowledge of him We've drawn attention and focus that we have to begin to realign our thinking and the assignment of our life with the alignment of God's Word. Not allowing religion to detour us. I'm not into religion. 
I'm into a real relationship with God. I define religion as man, what man has done by taking God's word and manipulating it and controlling people and abusing people and changing it and making it what it was not meant to be. I believe in a real relationship with Jesus Christ. So I don't know what denomination or background you've come out of. You probably don't know what denomination or background I've came out of. Let's set those things aside today, can we? Because those can be a hindrance to you. The Bible says lay aside, not only sins, but lay aside the weights anything that would hinder you from what God has for you. So it, it might not sound like, well, that's not the way uh, my bishop in my old town where I came from did it. It doesn't matter. Let's hook into what the Word of God says and focus in on Jesus. Can I get an amen? Can I get a better amen? Keep in mind your response does dictate and impact the level of the anointing that flows in this house. It's just not on, on pastor. I pray, I'm studied, I'm studied up, I'm prayed up, but you know what? Jesus could do no mighty works in his own hometown, which dictates a principle that all of us together are a contributing factor to the environment that God wants to have in this moment. And so it's not just being a spectator. You can't be a spectator in your, the own, in your own miracles in your own life. You cannot be a spectator. God, you do it, and I'll sit by, and I'll watch, and I'll tell you if I like it, and I'll see what you... No, it doesn't work that way. The woman with the issue of blood could have stayed where she was at, hoping Jesus would walk by. But she got something in her heart, which we know is faith. Why? Because she heard something in her ears, we know, which is the word. And she heard that Jesus was in uh, proximity. Some of us in our church world, we grow up in church, and we're like, well, if it's a great meeting, I'll jump in when it gets hot. And sometimes by time it's hot, it's done left where you can jump in at. Can I get an amen? And so I think one of the things we have to do in just developing our walk with God and even in a church attendance environment is don't let the past be our present. This is not my notes, but I think someone needs to hear. Don't let our past be in our present. We have to forget those things which are behind and press toward the mark. There is a place, there is a mark that God has for all of us to experience him today. Now, will everybody experience, him, experience God today in a special way? Probably not. Why? Not because God doesn't want it, not that it's not available, but it's also dictated upon you. So the woman with the issue of blood could have said, oh, I'm so sick and I'm so tired. I sure, Lord, send Jesus right by me. And she could have said, I'm just going to wait for Jesus to walk by. But something on the inside stirred her to move. Some of, her, some of the things stirred her. What I, what I know is available to me, I'm going to go after. Because I just can't wait for everybody to hand deliver hand deliver what God has for me. There is no spiritual Ubers in the kingdom. I'm going to have somebody else bring it to my doorstep and leave it for me, and then I'll enjoy it. You have to go after it. You have to be those who hunger and thirst for the things of God. They shall be filled. That woman with the issue of blood in the gospel, she went after it. She said, I'm pressing through this opposition, I'm going and I'm going to touch the hem of his garment because she had already heard from the Old Testament prophecy that when the son of righteousness, Mark 4, when he would come, he would rise with healing in his wings and that was the, that was the knots on the strings of his robe of his righteous, uh, excuse me, his prayer shawl, which is referred to righteousness. But sometimes in the church world, we can get comfortable. We can get secure and we'll wait for God to deliver everything. Like I see a young man sitting over here, he was telling me he had been taking a bus to get here, taking him over an hour and, how long was it taking you to get here? Yeah, you. One hour and 40 minutes to ride a bus to get to church every Sunday. You have to be hungry for the things of God. Why? Because he wanted something that he knew he could get when he showed up at church. Instead of saying, well, I'll just wait for it to come to me. He was like, I'm going to pay the price, whatever it is. And today he just got a, a car just a week or two ago and takes him 15 minutes to get to the. What am I telling you? When you go after God, it might look hard, but God's not going to leave you in that season. Some of us are waiting for the season to change before we pursue God. God said, you start pursuing me and I'm going to change the season. Some of us are waiting for the mountain to move before we begin to speak. God said, you begin to declare and you're going to see the mountain move in Mark 11, 23, 24. Some of us waiting for that walls to fall and then we'll give them a praise. But we don't realize that in our praise is the power. God said, you... 
pra- you begin to praise me when all of a sudden all you see is a mountain, all you see is walls, and you watch the walls. Because what are we doing? We are initiating in the natural so we can make an encounter in the supernatural. Don't wait till you feel an emotional before you begin to clap or praise. Don't you dare wait to respond. Yeah, I'll just wait till I get excited and then I'll respond. No, you can respond and initiate the anointing in your own life. If we're not careful in our American mentality, we have been so catered to that we think that everything, well, when the environment's right, then I'll receive. No, you got to be, if the environment's wrong, I'm going to praise him. He is the God of the impossible, and he's going to do the impossible for me. And I believe it so much that I'm going to pursue the giant. I am going to stand up against the king. I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do, because I know that the God of the impossible will do it. Not because I feel a goosebump, not because the environment's good, not because it's sunny outside, but because thus saith the Lord is at stake. And God is the God of the impossible, and all things are possible to him who believes. I'm talking to somebody if you've been facing this week a giant a wall of impossibility something that's been intimidating you i'm here to tell you that the god you serve is well able with god it's no big deal with jesus it's no big deal with jesus it's no big deal begin to praise him not because you feel it or see it in the natural but because you've heard the word and you're saying i'm going to act on that word and i'm going to move toward that miracle give him a praise Come on, give him a praise. I don't tell you to do that because it's a good thing to do. I, I don't tell you to do that so it sounds and looks good on video. You know I mean? I, I have things I have learned, a lot of things I've learned by the Spirit of God showing me. And one of the things the Holy Spirit told me is there's, a, there's what is, I like to refer to as a pause. I used to, I began to seek the Lord one day saying, Lord, you know, there the anointing starts flowing and I feel the word of your word coming and I'm preaching. And then all of a sudden it's like someone put brakes on and I just find myself out there like, okay, where are you? And the Lord said, it's a, it's a pause. I'm like, why, what do I need to do to eliminate the pause? I'll do it. I'll work on it. I'm open to learn. I, we never outgrow growth. Lord, if there's something in my, in my rhythm, if there's something I need to do different, show me what I need to do. And the Lord directed me. He said, no, the, the, it's not on you. It's on the people. Because it's your opportunity based on your response to say, I want to go deeper. Yeah. I, wanna, I want more. God will never force feed you. That's why in some churches, oh, they don't clap. They just sit there. And all they can get is just a depth of truth. But they cannot get to the level that's available to them. Because it's not you applauding me. It's you responding saying, God, I take that. God, I want that. God, I believe that. I'm celebrating that. I'm jumping into that water. I want to go deeper. And when you hit a pause, don't just sit, oh, he's just one. He must be, he must be having a hard week. He's needing some encouragement. I don't need any encouragement from you. I need you to go deeper so we can all go deeper are you with me i'm not i'm not just sitting here walking you through it i'm going in it with you we're doing it together do you see that it's it sounds different than most churches we aren't like most churches good bad or different but i'm saying we're going to go in this together because i want to experience god deeply today also And so the Holy Spirit said, no, it's, it's on the people. There's a pause, and it's waiting for them to respond to say, and based on the response, then the anointing will keep kicking to the next level, and we can go deeper. Yeah. So I just need to clarify that from time to time, because when I tell you to give the Lord a praise, and different churches do it, and they might not know why they do it, but there's a, a spiritual principle to that. And so what happens is, in those moments, if you believe it, if you're responding to it, begin to activate it in your life by a physical response. There always is a natural a natural response for a deeper spiritual encounter. Even with Jesus was ministering. Is this okay? We're just kind of taking a side trip and we'll come back. You know, even Jesus uh, in the temple, he told the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand. Why would he tell him to stretch forth his hand? Why would he tell him to do that? Why don't he just heal the man's hand while it's hidden? Why would he tell Mary, Martha, remove the stone where your, your brother's laying? Just get the stone out of the way. Why would he ask for the little boy's lunch? Knowing already what he was going to do, he didn't always tell them what he was going to do, but he knew, say, God knows. knows. He's not playing games with us, but he's he's developing us. Why? Because there must be, faith without works is dead. There must be a 
in the natural to activate what's available to you in the supernatural. There are no spiritual Ubers. Anytime there's an encounter, you're, well, what about Saul? He was going to Damascus. Yeah, but Saul was zealous for God. He was out of alignment with revelation, and that's why God corrected him. But he was pushing it. He was going full steam, full bore, and he thought he was doing God a favor by persecuting the church. And when you're going full steam, it doesn't mean you're perfect. Well, we got to make sure we get all the I's dotted and the T's crossed. Maybe, but you don't have to always. Sometimes you start stepping out of the boat, walking on water, and you learn as you go. Are you listening to me? Peter didn't get figured out, and he learned. What did he learn? Keep his eyes on Jesus. But I don't complain about, you know, we'll, we'll preach against Peter. I can't believe Peter. Peter took his eyes off Jesus in the most important time. Ha! And we'll, we'll dog Peter, but man, he walked on water. He didn't walk long, but he walked. And amazing how we can criticize people that are doing what we, we Yeah. <laughs> Moving right along. And so, there is a natural reaction that God needs, and it, it's your giving him permission to step into the situation of your life. God, why don't you do anything? Well, maybe he's waiting for you to do something. Revelation 3, I'm knocking, but you're not listening. Well, I hear knocking. You don't need to hear knocking. You need to recognize his voice. Hmm. And open up and I'll come in. Thanks be to God, which always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us, spreads and makes evident everywhere the sweet fragrance of the knowledge of him. God uses our victory. He leads us in places of victory. He doesn't bring us through paths of defeat and failure. God doesn't put sickness on you. He's not the author of confusion. He didn't create the divorce. He didn't, he didn't send abuse to you. He wasn't sending somebody to rob you to teach you a lesson. God is not that type of God. John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life, that you might have life. And through us, through us, what does he do? He makes everywhere the sweet fragrance of the knowledge of him. Amen. Through us. Last Sunday, we kind of ended on a thought about how your miracles, what God is doing, you it's an aroma. It's not an aroma just to say, look at me. It's an aroma to get people to look to God. Why do, why do we want people to see from the experiences of our life where they can look to God? Because God doesn't want the aroma to stop with you. God doesn't want the miracle to stop with you. God doesn't want the blessing to stop with you. This is by instruction and by principle. Genesis 12, 2. Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a... The Bible says in the New Testament, freely you have received, freely. So God, what he does in you, he wants to do through you. We want God to do something big through us, but you got to make sure he's doing something big in us, but when he's doing something big in you, he doesn't want to stop with you. He wants it to go through you, which means he wants it to impact somebody else's life. He wants it to be, it's like a fire. He wants the, the flame of your fire to light something in their life. So it goes from one person to the next person, next person. Just like this story we talked about last week. Or Mrs. Sage, a friend from high school, reached out to her and said, listen, I feel bad. Make sure I get this right. I feel so bad even reaching out to you because we weren't really friends in high school and we have never stayed connected. But I've been following you on Facebook and I see the life that you're living and what God is doing. And I know I'm about to die with a bad diagnosis and I need help. Can you come pray for me? What is that? The aroma of God's goodness in miracles in her life created an aroma for other people. And they might walk by you not knowing you. But you know, if someone's got good perfume or cologne on and you walk by and it's like a cloud. Not a cloud of bad, a cloud of good. Come on, somebody. Some people are walking around with a cloud of bad and you don't even have to know them. They walk in the room and you're like, what in the world? You start checking yourself. 
but there is an aroma of good. Somebody can walk in in your office, in your house, you walk in a restaurant, walk by you, and you know I mean, as they walk by, there is an aroma of good that can catch their attention. They might not be thinking, oh, I'm waiting to smell some good cologne. I'm looking for good perfume. No, they're just in the routine of their life, and they come into an encounter, a, a uh, give me a better word. No, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. You had a chance, you lose. You know what I mean? you got to be prepared for the moment. They come into a collision with the fragrance of God in your life. Elisha and Elijah. Elijah just let Elisha ex- experience the mantle a little bit, which represents the anointing. And he walked by him while he was working. Elisha wasn't getting up in the morning and saying, hey, I'm going to experience the anointing and I'm going to change my life. No, he was, he was just doing his job. He had some businesses. He had all this crew. He had, and think about it, they were go-getters because the, the rain had just come. So he must have been in a prominent position to have oxen after a famine. Because when rain, when rain stops, things dry up, people get hungry, and what do you start doing? You start eating. Yeah. Well, you know, we've always liked that. Ox, but, hmm, oxburgers might not be a bad thing. So he had to be in a prominent position to even have the, the oxen to plow the fields. And he was in the routine of his life. He was in the, he was in the normal routine. What am I telling you? There will be people that t- tomorrow, today, tomorrow, this week, that they will wake up in the routine not knowing what is there that they're not aware of. Stay with me. Because there are levels and dimensions of God that most people aren't aware of. Just like the, just like the prophet's uh, servant who said there is an army out there and he prayed a simple prayer. Lord, open his eyes. Open his eyes that he may see. Basically, you can say it this way. Let him see what's always been there that he was not aware of. What am I telling you? That the anointing of God on your life, as you're going through routine, you're going to have collision encounters, not a car collision in the name of Jesus, collision encounters. You're going to be walked by people that are in their normal routine, and in their normal routine, they begin to experience something about your life and will draw their attention. Wait a minute. There's something different. They are being exposed to something different. Wait a minute. I, I didn't know anybody was happy anymore. They are being exposed to something different different about your life that they were not aware of and it draws their attention not only to you but gives a chance so you can draw their attention to him can i get get an amen we are part of the miracle in the making we are part of the miracle in the making we are part and god will bring into our lives Small things and big things. In the kingdom of God, they're kingdom opportunities. The Bible tells us in Ephesians, redeem the time for the days are evil. New Living Translation says, take full advantage of every opportunity. I'm going to even break it down farther. Take full advantage of God opportunities that come your life. Most of us want to do great things. And God will bring great opportunities in all of our lives. If we're open. If we're available. God's not looking for perfect vessels. He's looking for yielded vessels. But have you, I always see uh, two, two extremes here that we deal with in life, in the rhythm of life. One extreme are the small kingdom opportunities. And in those, the challenge to the small kingdom opportunities is that in the natural, we think they're insignificant. So we overlook the little. Praise God they didn't look over the little boy's lunch. Praise God that the prophet didn't overlook the widow's oil. We tend to look over, bypass the insignificant. And in that we miss sometimes cool experiences from heaven. Jesus said if anybody who gives a cup of cold water to a child, there's a reward and I see it. What does that tell me? God is in the details. It's amazing how all these different thoughts over the past few months keep coming back. God is in the details. Say, God is in the details. Never, never disqualify a kingdom God moment by the size. If it looks small, oh, that's no big deal. 
you can miss out on a great miracle with a mentality of things are no big deal. No big deal. In fact, David, before he faced Goliath, and Goliath represents the big deals. That's the other extreme. The problem with the big God opportunities is that it's not that they're so small that you treat them as insignificant or you can easily overlook them and walk right by them. The problem with the big God kingdom opportunities is that they're so big that they're intimidating. I've never heard anybody preach this. Me either. This is kind of cool. God has big opportunities for us. But the problem and challenge with the big opportunities is completely different than the little opportunities because the big opportunities tend to be overwhelming and intimidating. Where the little ones we don't even notice sometimes and walk right by, the big ones, the big opportunities can be so intimidating they cause you to stop and hide. Am I going too deep? What was the problem with the king and the soldiers when David showed up? What were they doing? They were hiding. They were hiding from a God opportunity. They saw it as an intimidating opportunity. Because in the intimidating opportunity, we deal with fear. On insignificant opportunities, we deal with our own agenda. But at either extreme, we're dealing with us. I don't got time to help you. I don't have time to pray for you. I don't have time, and the Lord placed on your heart to do something. I don't have time. Why? You're saying, my agenda. Oh, God, I'm so intimidated. I'm afraid. What are you saying? My fear. But it's all about you. And there's, there's a key element. Stay with me. There's a key element. Because I want to know, because the biggest reward is dealing with the biggest problem. I learned, uh, I learned from my dad years ago. You know what I mean? And he would say, son, do you know why doctors get paid what they do and they only see you for five minutes? They're solving bigger problems. Solve big problems, get a bigger paycheck. Amen. Solve little problems. So the bigger problem carries a bigger paycheck. Yeah. But I'm telling you that the bigger problem is also connected to the smaller problem. Right, right. Or let me say it this way. The bigger opportunity is also tied to the smaller opportunities. And I'm not just saying with the principle of what you're faithful to little, you'll be faithful much. That's not my point. Here's my point. Are you ready? Because to see the little opportunity that God's bringing you, or to see the, the mountain as a big opportunity that God's bringing you, both need the same thing. They need to be able to see it the way God sees it. Stay with me. So you're, it's living that life of, Lord, I want to have the perspective of heaven. I want to see what you want me to see. Let the eyes of my understanding be open so that I can see. I need to know the hope. I need to know the opportunities, whether big or small. Because if I can't recognize the small, how God sees it, how do you think you're going to recognize the big, how God sees it? And one of us is we're struggling with the big is because we didn't handle correctly the because with the small, I could say, I don't think it's a big deal. But to say, all right, Lord, you show me what I need to do. And God says, that's of me. Deal with that. Give that child some water. That's me. Give that waiter or waitress a bigger tip. But I was going to. But when we begin to step into this rhythm, the flow that God has for us, we can begin to step in and say, I see the small, but the small is not insignificant. In the small, there's something special. In the small, it, it might be a little boy's lunch, and I'm going to feed 5,000 men and women and children, not counting women and children. It, it's a little bit of oil, but it's going to multiply and pay the debt, and you live off the rest. Live off the rest. It might be whatever it might be. And what it was it? Those men of God, Jesus himself, they could see what God was doing. Moses knew God's ways. Israel only knew their acts. Knowing the acts of someone means you know after it's been done. Knowing the ways of someone knows what they're thinking before it's done. God, show me. God, show me. God, show me. I don't want to miss any kingdom opportunity. Because if I learn how to manage the kingdom opportunities that seem insignificant... 
get to see it from God's perspective that when I get to, when I get to the bigger, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to see that from God's perspective. It's not that David couldn't hear Goliath. Of course he could. It wasn't that David wouldn't feel the goosebumps. Most of, us, most of us think that these men and women of faith, that all of us, they didn't deal with the natural fear or emotion or risk. Of course, that's the natural. Of course they did. But how did David get there? David got there because his father sent him on assignment to feed his brothers and some of the soldiers. What was he doing? He obeyed the instructions of his earthly father to do what seemed to be insignificant. But because he was faithful in the insignificant, it positioned him for the significant. And now, all of a sudden, because he was faithful in taking care of his earthly father's few sheep, God knew he was going to be well able to take care of his heavenly father's. Come on. <laughs> and he said to Goliath, you just have not defied me. You have defied God. You have defied the armies of the living God and the God we serve. And this day, he will put you in my hands. How would he know he, God, would put Goliath into his, David's hands unless David knew the perspective of God? He, he will put you into my hands. It was not just a small opportunity. David walked into a bigger giant opportunity, and in the giant opportunity, there was a giant. But he, instead of being intimidated, he said, my God is well able to deliver me. He didn't say, I can do it on my own. He said, I can do it with God. My God will deliver me. What was it? He kept defaulting to the view, to the perspective of God. My God will deliver me. Sometimes we got to look at the giants in our life and say, I hear what you're saying, and my body's responding accordingly, but my spirit person says, no way, no way, no big deal. This day, your head will fall. This day, your business will go under. You can't, this day, you are attacking not only me, you are attacking the covenant of God, and my God, come on somebody, my God. That doctor's report is going to be rewritten one day. All right, let me end with this verse. It's not even going to be on the screens because I'm adding it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. He is a life-giving spirit. The first Adam, so Jesus referred to the second Adam. First Adam messed up. Second Adam did it right. First Adam is a living soul. And there's more depth than that in the Hebrew when it comes to Genesis when God created Adam, but we'll get to that another time. The, the first Adam was a living soul. The second Adam here in the New Testament, the second Adam referring to Christ is a life-giving spirit. He is what? A life. Let's break that down real quickly. A life giving. Wait a minute. A what? A life giving. He, he gives what? He gives what? That makes sense because John 10, 10, I've, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life. Why can he do that? Because he's a life giving. Oh, Jesus took my baby. Jesus didn't take your baby. He's a life-giving spirit. Life-giving. Now, someone might have told you that to comfort you, but, oh, my, Jesus just needed, God just needed another flower in his garden. You'll never be a, a tulip. <laughs> he needed another angel. He doesn't, you'll never be an angel. We will never be angels. That's like saying, I might be a dog in heaven. Are you crazy? It doesn't happen. It, it, we don't evolve to angels. We're better than angels. We're sons and daughters of the most high God created in his image. Why does the other logic come in? It's the devil's attempt to devalue you. Who are you? Is Jesus in your life? If you're saved, he is. He's in your heart, right? You're saved. You, you become born again. You're born again. 
You are part of the body of Christ. You are part of the body of Christ, right? The body of Christ. My hand doesn't take on a different identity. Right? We're part of him. We need more revelation on this because it's not a just, oh, yeah, that makes sense. We are part of the body of Christ. And he is a life-giving spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. All right, I threw a bunch of different verses. Let me wrap it around to one thought. We're a life, he is a life-giving spirit. If he's a life-giving spirit and we are connected to him, a part of his body, therefore I could conclude, deduce in the realm of logic, of premises and formulating a conclusion, I can deduce that therefore if Jesus is a life-giving spirit and I'm part of Jesus, I'm part of the body, therefore I am, you are a life-giving spirit. You, you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. And yet we walk around with the perspective that we're trying to get. And he's not a life-receiving spirit. He's a life-giving spirit. We're asking God to just drop something into our lap that is already in us because we are life-givers. So wherever we go, regardless of insignificant, am I going too deep today? You're kind of quiet on me, I don't know. Insignificant opportunities or big opportunities, irrelevant, what are we supposed to do? Walk into position of who we are. We're not there to receive, we're there to We are the giving equation to solve the situation for those in need to bring them into the alignment of the kingdom's order that if they are unsaved, they can be saved. If they are sick, they can be healed. If they're broken, they can be blessed. If they're disgusted, they can be happy. If they're tormented, they can have peace. Are you listening to me? What am I telling you? Let me break it down into a phrasing I think all of us will get. Make a deposit. If you live your Christian life looking for with the, the withdrawals of God, you'll miss out on the opportunities of God because you're walking around looking for God to bless you through people. And God will use people to bless you. Given it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, run it over. Shall men give it? But I want you to understand, you don't go around looking for people because if you do it that way, eventually that way, you'll begin to ask people because you it'll you think, oh, faith without works is dead. Faith without hints is dead. You you know, I'm really going through a hard time. And, I'm just, and what happens is in the church world globally, we have gone down to the wrong path and we begin to look for people to help us be who God's called us to be. But you don't need other people. God can use other people, but it's not the other people. He spoke, say, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water, Jesus said. Yes, he spoke of the Spirit of God who is yet to be given because he had yet to be glorified. What is happening? He could not release the flow of the spirit until he was glorified but once he's glorified here comes the river when I begin to live my life of not it's about me it's, a, it's not about Greg it's not about what he wants it's Lord this is the day you have made I rejoice show me what to do I want to put into action the plans of God I want to live my life I'm not going to be sitting here all the time reading the Bible verse I can't talk to me. no that's not what I'm saying but live your life on purpose God if you want to use me you create the opportunity you show me and I'm not looking for people to give to me I'm looking for a place to make it a because in the deposit I become part of your solution to fix their situation we walk in looking for what we can get from people that's dangerous that's dangerous for members that's dangerous for Christians in general that's dangerous for ministers they calculate quickly what they can get out of people it's dangerous the source is not people. God uses people. But they have having the idea, Lord, I'm walking through this day today, small or big. And you get big, you start looking, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
Because in me is the life giver. Not the life, no, the life giver. Well, if I can get so-and-so to pray for me, we need to be praying for each other. We need, there's a stronger anointing on different ministries and that's great. But some of us, we are, that's all we think about. You got to get in the place of who you are, who you are in Christ Jesus and say, wait a minute, I have the greater one in me. It's just not in them. It's in me. And I want it on me, but I, I'm going to learn to make a deposit. When you, when you're walking through life and you have a conversation, if you're going to think about anything besides the conversation, just say, Lord, show me if I need to make a deposit here. Lord, show me if I, want, if I need to give some life here. Lord, show me. what You don't have to be weird. You don't have to talk weird. You can talk the way you are, but be available for God to use you to make a deposit. If Jesus is a life-giving spirit and you're connected to Jesus, therefore you are a life-giving spirit wherever you go. Jesus said it this way. You are the light to the world. Where did he redact that? Where did he remove that? Where did he change it? Some of us walk around with emptiness, hoping that someone would fill us. I need somebody to encourage me. I need somebody to make me feel good about myself. I need somebody. And well, then we're looking and we can't find it from people. Sometimes we can and praise God, but sometimes we can't. And for the times you can, there'll be more times you can't. And then you'll get mad at people because they weren't there for you when you needed them. And the problem is not that you shouldn't be there there for people but they're looking to you and you got to let them know you are not their Jesus we have bankrupted churches bankrupted marriages bankrupt friendships when we come into the mentality of what can I get from them instead of what can I bring to the table well I'm going to get a divorce because they're not doing it for me anymore well what are you doing for them You are a life-giving spirit. Say, I'm a life-giving spirit. Woo, that means the Holy Spirit is flowing through you. Well, Pastor, I try, to get you, I try to get you to let me do a Bible study and preach a little bit, but you're not, so it's not happening for me. You don't need a church service to be a life-giving spirit. You need opportunities to be a life-giving spirit. Jesus said, don't say on this day that's when the harvest is ready. He said, look now. Why would he tell them to look now? You say, oh, because the harvest is ready. But the reason was they weren't looking. They weren't looking, therefore they weren't expecting. And if they're not expecting, they would never reach out to harvest. If we don't look, that means we're not expecting. And I want you to wake up in the morning not wondering what next virus is coming down the road. I don't want you to wake up in the morning freaked out wondering who's going to be in the next White House. I don't want you to wake up wondering if the economy is going to crash and how much gas is today. I'm not saying that these things aren't important, but we'll get so caught up in the world system. Are you listening to me? And we'll get so caught up that all we're doing is expecting doom and gloom and sad and horrible and things are going bad. And if we let this person in this office or this person stays in the office or if this company gets their way or if I don't move here or if they change the taxes or if prices go up I don't know oh, we're thinking on the negativity you ought to walk and say no I'm connected to Jehovah Jehovah Jireh and I am looking to what God wants me to bring to the table I'm expecting God to do something amazing in and through me because he won't do it in he won't do it through you unless he's doing it in you looking for somebody to pray for to get healed well you don't know you don't understand pastor i you might not have heard i just got a report from the doctor it didn't sound good i don't know i need more people praying for me if i can get online if i can get twenty thousand people praying for me where's that in the bible The Bible says if two or three will come together, I'm there. The Bible says if two people agree in prayer, prayer of agreement, the Bible says call for the elders. Where do you get that? I need to get 20,000. I need to get a bunch of people online to pray that. And that's what I need. And we talked about that before, a posture of receiving. You live in a posture of receiving, you'll never have what God wants you to have. Posture point. It keeps, all these different thoughts keep coming back, don't they? 
you don't understand. I need people. You don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand how the kingdom works. If you got a bad doctor's report, you know what you need to do? You need to get a couple healing verses, and you need to go find some people to pray for. Don't you wait for your miracle to show up. You become part of the miracle process. You might feel pain in your body. You think you might die tomorrow. Well, if I'm going to die tomorrow, how many people can I pray for before I get to my, before I cross over eternity? The natural mind will try to survive. The natural mind will try to keep and focus on yourself. But the spiritual mind, to see it the way God sees it. When you feel like I'm going under, you need to go over and say, I'm going to find. I'm going to pray for 10 people today to get healed. Well, pastor, why would I pray for them when I need it myself? Because you don't understand the principle of the kingdom that says, muzzle not the ox that treads out the corn. Give it, it shall be given. Press down, coming back to you. What am I saying? What you sow, you shall reap. What am I telling you? You start releasing the river of healing out of because you are a life-giving spirit you release out of the spiritual side you are a three-part person don't forget that you release out of the spiritual side the flow of healing to other people and guess what happened as it's coming through your spirit out of the mouth of your words and you pray for it that means you're going to also get a little bit for yourself come on somebody you're going to walk away see god use you you're walk in. man i'm feeling great today you don't stand pastor my head my family turned on me and they're talking about me and no one likes me and they've befriended me and I got 13 thumbs down on my last comment. I just need somebody to be there and kind of encourage me. You know what you need to do? You don't need people to come to you. Do you see the point? We're waiting for people to come to us. And I'm telling you, go find somebody insignificant or major either way and begin to make a deposit in their life and by making a deposit you're allowing the holy spirit to work through you and it may allow the holy spirit to work through you to be part of their solution because you're tapping in to that same flow of anointing and when you encourage other people You're not going to be encouraged because they're going to say, oh, you're a wonderful thing. You're going to be encouraged because the life is coming out. I am teaching you a deeper college spiritual principle that will work for you, which tells me that regardless of what you are dealing with in the natural, you have a solution in the spiritual. You get the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to be the life-giving spirit for somebody else, and it will change the natural because the spiritual will always, don't listen to me, the spiritual has the final authority and will always override the natural over a doctor's report, over a bankruptcy report, over a divorce report. I'm the spiritual has the potential to do the impossible. How do I have tap into the, You got to make the deposit by speaking it. Jesus said, When you go into a house, loose, speak peace over that house. And if they're worthy, it will stay. And if they don't receive it, it'll come back to you. There is nothing like the spoken word of God. When Jesus was in a storm, he talked to it and he said to the wind, "Stop." And he said to the he said to the waves, "You better sit down." Greg Bruce translation. Like you talk to your kids. Shut up, sit down. Come on somebody. And the disciples were amazed. What kind of manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey? I'll tell you what kind of man he is. He is the son of God. He is the great I am. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the son of Almighty God. The he is the one and only. And I'll tell you, it just doesn't stop with him. You are connected to the same Jesus. You are a life-giving spirit. All things are possible to him who believes. You begin to say what God's saying into the lives of other people. And you, well, I, I got this stuff. You might always deal with different stuff coming down the road until we get into the next dimension of eternity. But that doesn't stop us. Because we learned that, hey, I don't have to stop or slow down when I'm getting hit with a storm. I need to speak up and do something. And I'm going to go find somebody to encourage today. I'm going to go find somebody to help today. I'm going to f- go find somebody I'm blessed today. I'm going to go find somebody. What am I doing? I'm open for God to use me. And he'll guide and direct your steps. For the steps of the righteous are ordered the Lord. And God will use you to do the impossible. Not because you are or are not in the full-time ministry. But because you are available. 
not because you're perfect or have every the right words to say or don't make mistakes. No, not because you are flawless, but because you are available. You are now tapping into the revelation that with God I can do something. Caleb and Joshua said, it is right as they have said that that promised land is a land flowing with milk and honey. That land, I'm trying to close. I should have closed 10 minutes ago. That land that's flowing with milk and honey. I heard a preacher say, sometimes we got to back up the logic. If If the land is flowing with milk, then the land is flowing with cattle. Work with me, right? Cows. Milk. Cows. Right? Stay with me. And if the land is flowing with milk, that means there is a land that's full of cattle, cows. And if the land's filled with a lot of cows, then there's a land that has a lot of grass. They They were walking through a desert. And if the land was flowing with honey, I won't even include you on this part, just case. then the land is going to have bees. And if the land has honeybees, then the land would have to have flowers, a lot of flowers to pollinate for the honey. So they, they were moving from walking through dry desert, but God said, I'm taking you to a place that has a lot of grass that has a lot of cows, that has a lot of flowers, that has a lot of honey. Not just a little, it flows. And they said, it, it, the, the, the wicked report was that it is there, but there is giants in the land. And we are grasshoppers in their sight. Hey, you preach on that all day long right there. But we'll move right through it. God referred to that as an evil report. Not because it wasn't accurate in the natural, because it was inaccurate to his perspective. Come on, come on. They saw and defined it by what they saw in the natural. What they said was accurate. What most people call truth, but really was only facts. God said, because of your perspective, your heart is hardened. We see that in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse and chapter 4. Your heart is hard, and you cannot enter into the place of my rest which is the place of my provision. Because you dictated everything by what you saw in the natural. But Joshua and Caleb said, we see that, but there's giants, but they are bread for us because our God will put them in our hands. They saw it from God's perspective. We're wrapping that thought around again. It's seeing it from God. So when you're in the impossible, it's going to look great on the success side but the enemy will try to intimidate you on the challenge side and you got to look at what view you're looking at and when you understand the process of releasing that life that's in you you can come to the situation saying okay in my mind I don't know what to do Holy Spirit show me what to do because I know the solution will come from you you'll show me the word you'll show me the person you'll show me the action show me what to do and I'll do it because when I come to a situation I'm not coming to take something from it I'm coming to bring something All right, we're done. Stand, give the Lord a hand clap. We're going to leave you right there. Come on, give him a praise. We give you praise, Lord Jesus. You are a life-giving spirit. You're not a victim anymore today. I curse and break that victim mentality off you. I curse and bind that mindset that tells you that you are passive and out of control. I curse and bind that mindset that would tell you you don't have any say-so. I want you to walk out of this building knowing that you are anointed of God. As If you're born again, then you are a child of God. You are a life-giving spirit. You have something to bring to the table. You have something to bring to the table. You have something to bring to the table in every situation that God creates for you to step in. It's not every situation. It's the ones that God leads you to step in. And when he asks you to step into it, he's asking because he wants to bring through you what he has not only for you, but for the people of that moment. Say, thank you, Father God. I'm a life-giving spirit. Hallelujah. Everybody stay standing. Head bowed. I just closed. If you're here today, do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm saying, in the way you process and the way you experience, do you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? 
Salvation is one of the greatest miracles. It's not a, hey, I'm going to be a better person. Good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people do. It's not a matter of, hey, I'm just going to try harder. That's not what it's about. It's about receiving, experiencing Him and letting Him work in you and through you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you don't, this is the day the Lord has made. This is the day of salvation. This is the opportunity of His knocking. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I'm going to lead you in a simple but powerful prayer. Every head bowed, every head closed. Say with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I turn to you today. I repent of all my sins. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the door of my heart and life. I hold nothing back. And I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Now, if you prayed that prayer, everyone look up here real quick. If you prayed that prayer, I want to speak a blessing over your life. I want to celebrate with you. We want to recognize what God's doing in your life. You know, I believe that there's what has been robbed in the world. Whoop, light. What has been robbed in the world, church world, is this tenacity to stand up for Jesus. Doesn't mean you have to have to be rude to people, but just, we have to be willing to stand up for people. Stand up against sin and temptation. Stand up and do what God wants us to do. Some of it's a natural temperament some people have, but not all of us. But all of us can tap into what God has. And there's a scripture that says that we can be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, which means what? He can give you a supernatural tenacity strength to, to obey him. So it's not a matter of I repented and I go every few months and then I go back and sin and I come back around. You don't need to live that life. That's, that's a vicious circle. God wants you to go from glory to glory. Proverbs 4 says brighter and brighter. So if you prayed that prayer of salvation, you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. And I want you to know, at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to just wave your hand so I can see you and keep it up. You're like, I don't like to draw attention to myself. I know, but if we, if we, have, if we struggle with drawing attention to ourselves for Jesus in a room that people will clap, how do we stand up for Jesus in a world that does not? So count of three. I want you to just, you don't have to come out of your seat. Just hold your hand up so I can see, and I'll speak a blessing over you. One, two, three. Who was I praying with today, right now? Hold that hand up as high as you can. Hold, thank you, sir. Hold it up as high as you can. Three, four. Come on, hold it so I can see. Five, six, seven. Come on, come on. Good job. Seven, anybody else? Seven, eight, over to my right. God bless you. Nine right there. God bless you. As high as you can so I can see it. Hallelujah. 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 Keep your hand up if you would. One in the portico, ten. Let me stretch your hands toward these people if they're near you with their hands up. Father, we thank you for every person saved. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you that they're a brand new creation right now. No past, no sins. Condemnation, you can't stay. You have to go. Every tactic the enemy has used against them, I curse and bind it in Jesus' name. It's no longer effective. Every assignment against the, the enemy used against them, I cancel in the name of Jesus. And Father, if there's people in their life or systems or, or whatever it might be that is designed by hell to hold them back and to take them out, we break its hold. And I ask you to remove them out, remove those and those people out of their lives and bring the right people in the right systems in Jesus' name. 
Now I speak a blessing over every hand that's raised. Father, I ask you to anoint them with, by your Holy Spirit. Strengthen them with might by your Spirit in their inner person. They are no longer the same. They're saved. They are on fire for you. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone shouted, Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah.